Three, two, one. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Back on this Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. It is Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. Dr. Cole, let's talk a little bit about eSport, a form of electronic gaming also known as professional or competitive video gaming, and it is growing at a rapid worldwide I know would you when you were when your kids were younger were they doing like video games you know Xbox and things like that they was still it? are I mean I've got 12 and 14 and the 12 year old is doing that uh, what do we call it Fortnite yeah he's Fortnite, obsessed that's huge fortunately yeah. he plays three travel sports so we get him out a lot it helps in the summer we get him out more but every you know he'll wake up and he'll play it and he'll go as long as he can and i hate it my yeah, wife I mean, hates it <laughs> i so this this esport thing has recently come to my attention and so mostly through some of my partners my hand and wrist partners there are now 50 colleges that have established varsity gaming teams right i mean think about it these 50. guys are yeah 50 and they're spending allegedly they're spending between 3 and 10 hours a day on electronic gaming so you know, there's the obvious, the sedentary issues, obesity, things like that, and, you know, all the things that tie into that. But there's actually now, what I, there was a recent report that showed that, well, eye fatigue, okay, you know, go figure, 56% of them complain of eye fatigue, but neck and back pain in 42% of them, 36% of them had wrist pain, and 32% of them had hand pain. So, I mean, you know, you, we don't really, these are like overuse injuries. It's an occupational hazard, but they're sitting Gaming, it's nuts. It's crazy. And <laughs> have you ever been, seen a patient come in for gaming problems? So because I, you know, most of my practice is shoulder, elbow, knee. You know, unless they're doing like Wii or something like that, I'm not so certain that uh, they're, I'm going to see those types of injuries. But right. my, my partners, I understand, are seeing hand and wrist pain, and they're getting things like carpal tunnel overuse, numbness in the hand, and things like that. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. That being said, it's a real sport, and it's it's actually becoming a whole area of commerce, and it's. It's a, from a financial perspective, it's enormous. So obviously, wherever there's uh, numbers of people like this, there's got to be some business in the background. Uh, so I guess they're going to be building physician practices. What do you? What's a takeaway? What do you suggest to parents out there, or even people who might be gaming adults? I mean, I, I know some people. There's one NBA announcer I know that gets bored and uh, he'll stay up all night and he's right. playing those, you know, whatever those game those games are you know fight against this or whatever sure. uh, you know look i think it's intuitively intuitively obvious if someone's spending between three and ten hours a day sitting and doing something like this so eye fatigue right so that's not something that's permanent obviously but you know it's like reading a book for three to ten hours you're, if you don't give it a break you're going to get you, that's going to happen i think the bigger one you know about half of them have neck and back pain so if this is your gig you're an e-gamer uh and um I think that it, I bet it's postural. So I'm sure the individual is sitting hunched over over the controllers and things like that. So this can happen with even me, with me in surgery. If I'm sitting and doing surgery for eight, 10 hours a day, I'm leaning forward, I do get neck and back pain. So really important to uh, retract the scapula, the shoulder blade, stand up straight, keep your head up straight, uh, extend your neck. In other words, push it back straight rather than uh, curving forward. Uh, so postural issues and periodic stretching and so forth probably makes a big difference. Same thing for things like wrist pain and hand pain. You know, this is just, if you have repetitive activities for up to 10 hours a day, it's inevitable that you, it's like an occupational hazard. As I said, that you're going to get hand and wrist pain. So you got to give yourself a break. I mean, you know what it really speaks to, Steve, is we see injuries and overuse problems when people don't give, them, give themselves a break and they're not cross-training, right? 
So we always say in a macroscopic way, kids, they've got to take two months off a year from doing a single sport. Uh, this is just sort of a microscopic uh, problem where people are doing this in a concentrated effort, and they've got to give themselves a break and not, not, not to say cross-train, but probably should be doing something else. Uh, not the least of which, this isn't really a form of physical exercise. And most of these people were doing it in the college setting. 40% of them don't participate in any form of physical exercise. So I think it's a problem. I think now we have the sense of awareness uh, that uh, hopefully these, these young people will stay on top of it. It's not only young people, but this is a college setting where uh, the, these people, these kids need to uh, uh, be successful at school. Uh, some form of physical exercise beyond e-gaming has got to be important. So... Uh, the eSport athletes got to be uh, uh, on a high level of awareness. All right, next topic, Jillian Michaels, who's kind of a workout fiend and has made a lot of money, of course, very uh, effective uh, showing people how to exercise, uh, recently was quoted in a piece by a woman named Leah Groth on Livestrong.com, uh, slamming CrossFit, five reasons why she isn't a fan you know, we've we've talked about CrossFit in the past, and in fact, about three years ago, we published an article looking at the injury rate by survey of individuals participating in CrossFit. And you know, it's you know, I've never done it, and I will tell you, I see a large number of patients who come in the office who do or participate in CrossFit. And I think that you know, when I, when I read her article, I'll just summarize her findings. I think it's potentially true. You know, she says, look. The exercises are too complicated for the average person. I will tell you that the average 35 to 45-year-old uh, is not familiar with Olympic lifting, clean and jerks, and complex movement patterns. So when you're doing it in a group setting, it can be particularly challenging. There are not, they're often not doing it with progressions. You know, think about it. If you're walking in and you have to do clean and jerk or Olympic lifting, you've never done it before, the ability for the instructor to focus on you in the setting of a class when everyone's trying to get something out of this has got to be a real problem. So I think that's the first problem is that I know the exercise for the average person are too complicated. And if you've ever had the opportunity to work with a trainer, what they often do is um, they do progressions. So if they try and exercise with you, Steve, that you're having a hard time with, they back it down and they tr get the same muscle group, but they do a progression to the extent that it's more, it's easier for you to do. So I think that it probably lacks that. I know, uh, you know, there was the the inventory of these classes was uh, in high demand. I mean, the there were so many people that were into this and getting results. And I think a lot of the success came uh, because of periodicity and frequency. People just get addicted to it, and they're doing it not just three times a week; they're doing it five, seven times a week. And the challenge, I think, with that is probably keeping up with the instructors, the certification, and so forth. And I had, you know, had spoken to a few people. We've had some people on our show, and they've clearly done a nice job at making sure that these people are properly certified to keep up their training. But I think, you know, truth be told, when the demand gets really high, I bet there's a challenge to get all these instructors in. Well, Michaels points out that to teach CrossFit classes, an individual only has to complete a weekend certification program. She quotes, quoted as saying, this to me can be a recipe for disaster. And we have all seen the CrossFit fail compilation videos on YouTube or Instagram, arguably for all the above reasons. You know, make yep. sure these people know what they're doing when they're running your class. Right, right. No, I, I think that's true. And, you know, and the other thing she brings up is that these are not really individualized workouts. And all of us have specific needs. I know, you know, I'm training for a specific purpose. I don't know what your purpose. It could be weight loss. It could be strength. It could be muscle mass. Um, all of those things are uh, important. And the other issue is because these individuals who are really, really into CrossFit aren't giving themselves a break, they're not giving themselves time for recovery. And I think that's a really valid point for any exercise. 
uh, no matter how intense you're doing it, you've got to give yourself a break for recovery. And that means uh, foam rolling. That means stretching. That means a day off or doing something totally different. Uh, recovery, as we know, can involve sleep. It can involve massage. It can involve contrast baths. But the basic things are just doing something different to allow your muscles to regenerate. When you do heavy resistance training, what happens? You break down muscle. It builds up lactic acid, and you've got to replenish it. So with poor nutrition or improper nutrition or insufficient nutrition and not giving yourself a break, that could be a, that could be a particular problem. So you really need the variety and time for recovery. So am I. Okay, good stuff. Thank you, Dr. Cole. And time now for the staple of the show, Ask the Doctor segment. It's simple. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on the homepage, you go to the right side of the screen and see the picture of Dr. Cole and yours truly. Just click on that link, and you can ask the doctor a question. First question in our show today, Dr. Cole, very simple. Does vitamin D supplementation reduce your chance of injury? You know, we have had an epidemic of vitamin D deficiency even in competitive sports because obviously they're always indoors. Uh, And in fact, some facilities will have uh, uh, tanning booths just to get vitamin D because you got to be outside, you got to get some sun. So uh, it's a real problem. And one of the questions that I often get asked, and I think it's a great question, is uh, can vitamin D supplements reduce injury rate? Now, I think the data is a little bit inconclusive. Uh, There is. some data that suggests that injury rates can be uh, reduced. Uh, there's a group that had uh, ample vitamin D intake that was compared to one who had insufficient, and they reported a small but significant increase in muscle strength uh, that was also inversely related to the risk of injury. So they were able, vitamin D is really important for muscle rebuilding, uh, especially as part of recovery. So if you have insufficient vitamin D, we have a tough time rebuilding our muscle, uh, doing it optimally and in synthesizing protein and so forth. Uh, so similar to that, if you have ample muscle strength and you're rebuilding, you can imagine that injury rates can go down. So there is some early data that suggests that having sufficient vitamin D, and you should get your vitamin D levels checked by your physician, um, that the evidence is increasing that you can actually have a positive impact on reducing injury. All right, good stuff. Question number two asking you this. I've read a lot of conflicting information about stretching before and after a workout. This is a great question. Can you please set the record straight? Because it's kind of, to me, it's like the chicken and the egg or the catch 22. It's hard to stretch before a workout when you're not warm. Yeah, this is also, uh, this is a huge topic. In fact, Steve, we probably should revisit it again. But there's there's some actually individual, uh, excuse me, some some. Uh, new research that has basically shown us that static stretching, not dynamic, but just sitting there, you know, stretching your hamstring without movement, if you will, can actually actually reduce strength and um, can reduce uh, muscle accretion and so forth. And there's also data that shows it can reduce muscle power, uh, reduce force generation and so forth. So the, the old uh, dictum that stretching, static stretching is critical to do before exercise is actually being challenged right now. And in fact, the American Council on Exercise is actually stating that um, you know, flexibility training has become a, a vital component of well-rounded fitness, pro- well-rounded fitness programs. But the majority of the re- research today shows that static stretching, sort of holding a stretch in one position, tends to be better suited at the end of the workout. So I don't know if you ever do these classes, Steve, like, you know, these body pump classes and so forth. I don't. They usually will do dynamic workouts uh, work uh, and to begin with, you know, dynamic activities to get your muscles warmed up. Right. And then after you do rigorous exercise, 
Static stretching becomes a part of it, and that's okay. So the take-home is static stretching, probably not great before exercise. Dynamic warm-ups probably are to get the muscles plugged in and so forth, get rhythmic movements going in the right direction. After exercise, static stretching is part of the uh, recovery process. All right, good stuff. We're out of time. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole for managing our Sports Medicine Weekly website and also our business operations. Then there's Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. Up next on The Score, early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Talk with you again next week. Have a great Saturday, everybody.